Hi, I'm Paul Shepherd, and welcome to the Mindset Changing Podcast. Yes, the name has changed from The Life Doctor, and the new name reflects very nicely the direction I want to focus on, and that is the power of mindset, and how we can change our minds to change our lives. Now, today's topic is a deeply personal one, as it was something that I had struggled with badly for such a long time. In fact, I would say that this is one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced. And at one point, I really didn't think I'd ever get past it. And that is the subject of social anxiety. Now, social anxiety is one of the most common issues people can face, especially in cultures where we are bombarded with images of perfection and told this is what success looks like. Comparing yourself with other people especially in social media, is likely to give your self-esteem a real hit, bringing it down to unhelpful levels and creating a reality where from the core of you, you can feel like you're a failure. And that can really make going into a social situation from that viewpoint really difficult because you may worry that people will be judging you the way you judge yourself. Pretty brutal, huh? Now, I could give you some tips on how to beat social anxiety, but I wanted to do something more relatable for you, especially for people suffering with this issue. Hence, this podcast is definitely going to be a more personal one. I want to show you where it came from for me and how I began to set myself free. If you're struggling with social anxiety too, I hope you can relate to this podcast and use it to begin changing your mindset about what being in a social event really means and not what your core beliefs have led you to believe. So what is social anxiety? Social anxiety is the fear of being watched, judged, rejected in social situations which lead to feelings of not being good enough embarrassed, humiliated, feeling self-conscious. Now, this isn't just a bit of shyness or being a little bit introverted. This is a full-on fear which can trigger gut-wrenching anxiety, panic attacks, anger and avoidance behaviour. Now, the consequences of suffering from social anxiety can result in a lonelier life, lost chances to progress socially, in relationships, in career and also it can cause depression too. Now, I can't put into words how brutal social anxiety was for me, but I am grateful for that experience and how it shaped who I am today and where I am going tomorrow. Now, remember, social anxiety has roots in you being anxious that the people you come into contact with will judge and think of you how you judge and think of you too. It also has links in our evolution, where meeting new people was considered dangerous. We socially compared ourselves to be able to fit in and not stand out, as that could be life-threatening. Over-worrying is also part of our natural mindset, believe it or not. As for hundreds of thousands of years, worrying unnecessarily 
help to survive with a better-to-be-safe-than-sorry mindset in our hostile environments. It was really better to lie to ourselves and catastrophize than it was to take the risk of being wrong and ending up dead or seriously hurt. So where did my social anxiety come from? Well, I can pinpoint when I was very young at the age of six and seven, having a very normal life. There was a growing travel phobia, but that's another story. We were living in a small flat at the time, and we were planning to move to a new house within a new build council estate. And it was here I remember things changing. The estate was new and lots of young families were moving in. So there were lots more children to play with which at first was fun. We were getting to know each other. Uh, We were surrounded completely by lots of fields and woods, which was brilliant for us to have an adventure. But as we began to settle in, there seemed to be a shift in tone towards me. The group dynamics began to change as older boys began to live in the neighbourhood. And that's when there seemed to be a change in tone towards me. Suddenly I became a joke. Someone to take the mick out of, someone to be the focus on for bullying. The older boys started calling me gay and I didn't know what that was. That's seriously confusing for someone who's only eight years old. I'd noticed that I was being left out more of gatherings or friends getting together and if I looked for them Uh, They would hide or made it clear that I wasn't wanted or I wasn't even like them. But this would swap about. One minute I was wanted and I felt like I belonged. And then the next, I was the focus of their bullying. So what began to happen was a creeping feeling of being on edge where I wasn't sure where I stood. The biggest incident that happened had a deep scarring effect, and I've talked about this in uh, previous podcasts, is how a big group of us were going towards an orchard uh, to go, and we used to go and pick apples and uh, plums and green gauges. And as we were walking across the field, I didn't notice that I was slowly being surrounded. When I began to realize that something was wrong, my gut lurched as the look on their faces told me I was in trouble. And before I could even really process what was going on, they told me to run. So I ran. The rocks came flying past. Others hit me in the back as I ran for what felt like my life. And there were more incidents like this where one moment I was part of the group and then the mood would change all of a sudden and I was certainly not safe. I did everything I could to be popular, their friend, be part of the group. I just wanted to be liked and I wanted to be safe. But I failed. I was desperate to be back with my friends, desperate for it to be how it was. But I would feel sick to the stomach at having to meet them. And this carried on into secondary school where I began to believe something about myself. I began to believe that I was unlikable. 
and began to believe that people would judge and be cruel to me because there was something seriously wrong with me. If I was in a group of people, then I wasn't safe. At any moment, they could turn on me, humiliate me and remind me that I didn't belong and that there was something wrong with me. So there you have it. That was how that core belief that I was not good enough was created in me and that people were dangerous to be around. And at any moment, they could turn, humiliate me and reject me because I just didn't belong. Now, back then, I retreated socially. I loved books, music, film. I was very lucky to have a wonderful set of grandparents who had animals, their dogs and cats, and they became my safe havens. I did make friends as I grew older, but I struggled to maintain them properly. I mean, I am a social animal. And despite my social anxiety, I was also desperate to be around people, but I really wasn't present with them. I was just too busy being locked in my head, overthinking the negative thoughts playing inside my mind. And that didn't make me very pleasant to be around. I was infamous as a young adult for being with a group of people socialising and having a disappearing act. So I would be there enjoying myself and then suddenly I would begin to feel self-conscious. I was outstaying my welcome and I could see from their faces that they were thinking about how to get rid of me. So I would just vanish. Later, they would ring the home landline. It was back in the day before mobile phones and ask why I had gone. I was always embarrassed as I truly believed they wanted to get rid of me And yet they were saying the opposite. Of course, I didn't believe them. I never let people in. I was very guarded. I was a master of smiles, but inside I was dying. Now, I didn't know this, but at this point in my 20s, early 20s, I was suffering with an anxiety disorder. This is not just down to social anxiety, but other circumstances have kicked in, which were causing my nervous system to buckle and trigger regular panic attacks and a severe form of IBS, which is irritable bowel syndrome. It was so painful, so much so, that they operated to try and find the issue, but with no luck. Now, I was going through therapy. I was also training to be a counsellor at the time. Uh, Neither helped me, and I nearly gave up trying to sort myself out mentally. The anxiety was exhausting. I felt hopeless. It didn't seem like there was any answers, but... There was something inside of me which was still curious as to what was missing and how could I heal. And luckily, from doing a bit more research into the brain, I had my Eureka moment. Now, it was at this point where my social anxiety would begin to change. I wouldn't have known it back then, but this is going to be the catalyst I had been desperately seeking. So, what began to make the biggest difference? Well, From the research, I began to realise my anxiety was not a mental health one. It was physical. I was suffering physically, and that was creating and causing my mental health symptoms. This totally floored me. Could this be the answer? I'd spent all this time trying to change the way I think, and that clearly wasn't working. In short, 
I discovered that my nervous system was inflamed. This is causing my limbic system, which is the emotional and survival part of the brain, to be seriously overactive. This was triggering more adrenaline and cortisol to be released. Now, these are powerful hormones which deal with stress and danger. But prolonged exposure causes more inflammation. Now, this inflammation cycle was causing an issue with my neurochemistry. And this includes my serotonin, my dopamine, my mitochondria, my oxytocin and endorphins. Now, these are all essential for drive, motivation, energy, mood regulation, confidence to be able to relax and clarity. Not only were they struggling to communicate effectively, the levels were fluctuating too. Now, this made it really hard to feel positive, relaxed, focused and calm. When neurochemistry is struggling like that, the world feels really dark. My mood was in a terrible place. I felt negative. I felt depressed. I felt anxious. No one told me that this was physical. Later research, years later, would enable me to realize that I had also been suffering from something called allostatic load. Now, this is the wear and tear on my nervous system from chronic stress. Prolonged exposure to cortisol causes the wear and tear on our nervous systems. Now this really does mess around with our cognitive functions. Too much cortisol will really mess around with your ability to regulate your thoughts and your emotions, your mood. No one ever pointed this out. It was something that I had to find out for myself. And later I discovered that this type of stress would also lower my immune system. It increases the chances of getting diabetes and, this is quite disgusting, adds belly fat. Who wants belly fat? No wonder I was a mess. Insomnia, panic attacks, IBS, always ill. What type of life was that to be living? No wonder I was struggling to be around people. I simply didn't have the neurochemistry or the nervous system to make that easier for myself. Now, how could I change my mindset about them if I am struggling with an inflamed nervous system? The chemistry to help me think differently was simply not there. But now that I knew it was physical, that gave me a better chance and a sense of control in being able to turn this around. Now, one thing that had to change was my increasingly unhealthy lifestyle. This was putting a huge unnecessary pressure on my nervous system. I was drinking too much alcohol. I was even smoking. I was knocking back caffeine, eating as much junk as I liked, not really sleeping. It all had to change. Now, I won't go too much into the lifestyle side of things, but changing my lifestyle bit by bit for a healthier one, really did help me feel better. Not 100%, but still enough to help me make a change in my mindset. Now, one of the best things I've ever learned about anxiety was that the way I was breathing was all wrong. I was a shallow chest breather. Shallow chest breathing triggers the sympathetic nervous system, which keeps your brain on alert. 
So it tells your brain as if you're in danger. Now, diaphragmatic breathing triggers the opposite. So it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system, which tells the brain you are safe. Now, this is called being centered. This enables your body to help heal itself. And it can only do this when you take time to relax. When we are in a flight or fight mode, our digestive system, our immune system, our reproductive system, and a lot of cognitive brain functions are put on the back burner because they are not important in a life or death situation. Becoming more centered took pressure off my nervous system so my body could heal itself. If you do a Google on 360 breathing, you will find some breathing exercises which do take diaphragmatic breathing to another level. I've also gone through it on my last podcast, Short Circuit Anxiety and Stress. It takes some getting used to, but it's more than worth it. I've seen it change not only my life, but also my clients' lives too. It's really hard to be in control if we're not centered because we become more reactive from shallow breathing instead of being proactive from being centered and a deep breather. If you want a positive outcome from situations which are different and challenging, then the starting point for you is to be centered. It's much easier to access your inner resources from this physical state than it would be from an anxious, shallow one. What I learned eventually was that changing my mindset was going to be so much easier if I took a holistic point of view. By helping heal my body from all the types of pressure I was putting it under, I was going to be more successful in changing how I perceive people. Now, mindset work can happen more quickly and deeply when your nervous system isn't struggling. Clients are naturally skeptical about this until they begin to see the results. Here's the next big revelation that changed my social anxiety. As my nervous system began to heal, and I began to do some work on myself, I began to realize something. I had been lied to. I'd also been lying to myself too. Have a listen to some of my automatic thoughts that I used to have about myself. I'm unlikable. I have to try harder to be liked. Uh, I really don't belong. I'm always on the outsider groups. I'm really not the type of person that can have a best friend. I'm not best friend material. Uh, What can they see wrong about me that I'm missing, that I can't see? I'm weak and I can't protect myself. Uh, These people are better than me. I'm a failure. And from that, I developed this really weird expectation that when I met people, they had to like me. I had to try and get them to like me. Uh, Being disliked was too dangerous. So I have to show people that I am a really good person and prove that I'm not a failure in any way. And that way I could stay safe. I was a people pleaser and I compared myself to people all the time around me so that I could become a chameleon and try and fit in. Of course, this didn't make me that great to be around. People sensed that I was slightly off. It was difficult to be myself anyway. When you've got a pressure in your head and a turning knot in your stomach, 
just being around people as I was just waiting for their judgment and for them to turn against me at any moment. So the realisation that I'd been lied to and that I had been lying to myself was earth shattering. The problem wasn't me. It had been them all along. Those bullies had issues, which they took out on me and convinced me that I was the issue. But I wasn't. I was pretty much normal. But I'd been tricked into believing I wasn't, and my self-esteem, I began to use that as a core belief to create my reality. I really did see what I want to see, and that everyone was living successful lives, that they were better than me, and that I had to change something to somehow fit in. I'd been tricked into believing I was unlikable, that I couldn't have a best friend, that I had to be on the periphery of groups to be safe. I wasn't weak at all. I actually took a lot of strength to still try to be around people despite how I felt, despite the anxiety, despite the panic attacks, I still attempted to socialise. No one is better than me. No one is higher or lower. These are fake concepts our egos subscribe to. We create false measuring sticks about money, about looks, about youth, about location, about material things to determine if someone is better than us. And let's be honest, there's an old English term that describes this perfectly. It's utter bollocks. When we compare ourselves using society's measuring sticks, we are going to feel like shit. It's the quickest way to reduce your self-esteem to the size of a small, tiny raisin. You and I are normal. We are allowed to be normal. Regardless of what we're told is and isn't, we are. Now, something else I realised about the expectations I had, was that I'm not going to be liked by everyone. And that is a terrible expectation and pressure to give myself. Some people will like you, other people won't, and it's personal to them and not about you mostly at all. What other people think of us is mostly out of our control and pretty much none of our business, unless it's useful feedback we should discount anything which is judgmental, negative rubbish. Remember that I don't like everyone, so why would I expect everyone to like me? That doesn't make sense. I am me. I can't be any more or any less than I am right now. I am good enough. I always have been and I always will be. If I'm not good enough at something, or there's an area of my life which is not working out so well, That does not create a judgment of my whole character. That does not determine whether I'm good enough as a person or not. Let's be honest, that is quite dishonest and it's a very limited perspective. But it does feed on our fears, which can make it feel true. You and I are human. We are flawed. We cannot be perfect. Now, I'm working to accept my flaws and enjoy working with them to create a life where I'm thriving and flourishing. My flaws are my challenge. They're your challenge too. 
We all have them, no matter how a person looks to you, how you perceive them. Remember, in an Instagram world, we're all looking pretty much filtered and perfect. But that's far from the truth, and we do know that deep within. A change in mindset began to help me understand something about people in general. And that was that they're probably too busy dealing with their own shit to be judging or targeting me for humiliation. I worried about being judged this way all my life. And now it was time to remind myself that no one was interested. In fact, I was not that fucking important. And that's a phrase I use with my clients. It really does wake them up to the realization that when we go somewhere and we fear being judged, whether it's a gym, whether it's anything else in public, that we're not that fucking important. No one's interested. They've got their own stuff to deal with. They're lost in their own minds. They're not paying attention to us. And that can bring us back down to reality. My clients love this because they gleefully use this phrase in our sessions because they know the monkey mind self-inflates the ego and makes them feel down to the spotlight effect that they are going to be the focus of attention, that everyone's going to be looking at them. And just using that phrase again brings them back down to earth. They are not that fucking important. And I use this perspective with myself too. And I began to see people in a more human way, was they're all struggling too. I just didn't see it before. I was too busy protecting my ego to realize that all people had their own stuff to deal with. It's all part of being human and we're all doing the best we can within our circumstances. No one is perfect. No one is living a perfect life, which means that I don't have to try to reach that level myself. Phew, because that was exhausting. These perspectives are just a few of the ones which made me relax around people and not try to control the situation. If I fuck up, I fuck up. I can sort that out as normal people do. I am self-aware, but not anxious and eager to please people. That makes us quite fake. And I prefer a more honest view of myself instead. So my self-worth began to grow quite healthily. And it began to create a filter So it would begin to filter out the unhelpful self-sabotaging thoughts from the monkey mind too. There are plenty of strategies to help you learn to do that. And that's what a good therapist and coach can help you with. As you begin to work with the filter inside your mind, you can begin to maybe form healthier friendships and healthier interactions with people around you. Healthier friendships reinforced my self-worth, that I am likable, I am lovable, and I can be a good person to be around. Human connections help us grow, and for me now, they mean literally everything. Add to that, it's very important to be aware of how you connect with yourself too. How we think about ourselves, how we talk to ourselves, has been given to us by other people, and we have the power to change any of that by learning to wake up consciously and choose to think and talk differently instead. The right people will stay with me. The wrong people will leave. I can't control the future. All I can do is my best right now and adapt to anything that comes my way 
just like I always have done. I like to say to myself, let's just see what happens with anything new that I'm attempting and I will adapt anyway to whatever comes my way and that is how life will continue to work. Now, people ask me all the time, how can I change my thoughts? Well, you don't change them because they've kind of already happened. But what you can do is add your own dialogue. Remember, no one can make you say out loud anything you don't want to. So you can choose to say out loud in in your mind the helpful and good stuff, which will help you grow. Your neurochemistry will absolutely love you for this. And this is where mindfulness is an amazingly helpful tool because it helps you learn to become aware of your mind in new ways you might not have been aware of before. I'd also add a bit of meditation with that because it's an incredible tool for helping you calm down your nervous system, train your mind and also learn to focus deep within for the answers you have for all of your issues. So the last big mindset shift that really helped when it came to social anxiety was changing the way I felt about going. Because I would dread it, but I would still force myself to go. And I know that many of you do this too. But that's because our minds are saying no. This conflict can create a reactive system inside of you, which will try to get you to avoid being in that scenario. And it will do that with an amazing amount of negative thoughts and feelings to try to prevent you from going. So I had to get my mind to say yes to meeting people. How do you do that? By saying yes, more internally, I was likely to move towards social events more easily. So I had to ask myself these questions. Maybe you could ask yourself too. Do you want to have fun with people? Do you want to have healthy friendships? Do you want life-growing and life-changing opportunities for meeting new people? Do you want to grow stronger connections with people? Do you want the possibility of a romantic relationship from meeting people? Do you want to go to events with friends and have a really good time? Do you want to feel loved and connected to people and friends? Do you want your life to be more exciting and adventurous? Now, I'm sure you can think of more, and it's a good idea to write down questions which give you a yes to the event that you are in conflict about going to. Get your brain to say yes, yes, yes. That will create a dopamine drive to help you to go. Your nervous system, even if it's on edge, will feel excited from the nervousness and that won't be interpreted from that old core belief that you're in danger and expecting something bad to happen. So here's a little mini recap. For a mindset shift to be more successful, it's better to have a nervous system which isn't struggling. Help it heal first. Change any aspects of your life that adds unnecessary pressure to your nervous system and physical health. So get healthier, eat well, drink well, exercise well, sleep well. Train your mind with thought management, mindfulness and meditation. Learn to recognize uh, content from the monkey mind and learn to filter it out. Target the core root of what your social anxiety focuses on. 
Are you dreading people judging you on how you judge yourself? Then change how you judge yourself. Get help with a coach or therapist to find out what you were made to think about you and do some work to turn it around. It's an investment which you cannot put a price on, except for the sessions fees, obviously, but it's worth it, I feel. Uh, train the brain to look for the yes from socializing. What can you get from being around the people that would enhance your life? Get your brain to keep saying yes, yes, yes. And there you have it. A very personal podcast on my battle with social anxiety and how I got through it, what got me through it. And I'm not saying these techniques would work for everyone but they are worth exploring to see if they would work for you. I want to say thank you so much for listening to the Mindset Changing podcast. It's been a lovely surprise to find out that I've been charting into the top 10, top 5 and number 1 in some countries in the mental health chart. So thank you so much for helping make that happen. If you found this podcast useful, please share, please subscribe and I look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast. Have an amazing day.